Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 is the number. You're not going to want to miss the uh, conversation that we've got coming up right now here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, We're going to be joined by Promote John here on the program. Promote is the CEO of Vivio Health, which is right in line with uh, the the themes and the thoughts and the the important things we've been talking about here on the program especially as it relates to healthcare costs. Healthcare costs are one of the main uh, or the three pillars of, of the uh, health policy stool, if you will. Number one is access. How do we access healthcare at uh, the appropriate times at the uh, most cost-effective means and at the places that have the best quality, which is the second pillar of health policy, if you will. And then finally, what is the cost? The cost is the the final, the final pillar. And how do we uh, make a, a triple aim, if you will? That is the industry um, word and standard and thing that they are putting out there. Uh, how do you make them all happen all together? And I think it all begins with education, guys. Education is is number uh, one uh, for not only. Um, unfortunately, the providers that have to go through all of these different uh, changes, which has created a massive learning curve, but also for consumers. As we've seen higher health care uh, deductibles go up, for example, uh, exceeding the savings of, of many Americans, um, more and more people are, are needing to be cost conscious and aware uh, of some of these things, and that is uh, what we've got coming up here on the program. So uh, any other thoughts before we uh, get him introduced here on the program? Well, uh, real quick, uh, on this CMS uh, and the ACO benchmarking rule, um, you know how CMS a couple weeks ago released the macro rule and all of that good stuff? Well, there's some discussion now going on about macro and how uh, it would force physicians to quit the whole ACO enterprise. And ACOs are accountable care organizations. And this article here goes in depth on, you know, how the whole ACO process really hasn't been what the federal government thought it was going to be. And it's actually led to some major issues with physicians leaving the marketplace and more things of that. Do you nature. think that trend is going to continue? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything that we've seen in all our research and whatnot shows that it's going to go down that path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then the other thing, the last thing before our interview, uh, Brigham, Brigham and Women's Children's Hospital there in Boston, the nurses are going to be looking at going on a one-day strike uh, earlier this week or later this week. Over what? Uh, you know, health care insurance, they uh, are saying that they're shorting hours on nurses that are overnight. They're not having enough staff uh, on the overnight shifts. And they recently admitted to doctoring the schedule up so that it wouldn't have nurses. Uh, they would they would be shorting uh, staff during the daytime. All so right. more to come on that. All right, Alan, thank you very much for that reporting. Uh, joined here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, our next guest is uh, Promote John, CEO of Vivio Health. Promote is a, a thought leader in uh, the industry. We had the opportunity to visit earlier this week, and it was a, a fantastic conversation. We're really excited to, to share that uh, this content with you. And so, Promote, welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. 
how you doing? And we've also got TJ Tedesco on the phone as well. TJ will be uh, providing some of his analysis as well as we cover uh, something that is really, really important to the audience, something we've covered here uh, many times before for the last several years, and that is uh, the issue of drug costs. And so, Promote, could you please tell the audience a little bit about your background and uh, your organization, and then we will dive into some of these issues. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having us on the show, and uh, we really appreciate what uh, you guys are doing to sort of spread the word about what we can do about healthcare costs. My, uh, you know, uh, background of the company was uh, Video Health was just formed uh, this earlier this year, and uh, the reason it was formed was primarily because of, uh, you know, there have been report after report talking about the fact that specialty drug costs are the fastest rising driver of health care costs in the country today. And uh, over the last few years, it's grown from being something that was relatively innocuous, you know, uh, on our radar to the expect last year, you know, on, on drug spending, it grew from about 10 or 15 percent of our drug spend to about 38 percent on average. And the expectation is by 2018, it will be over 50 percent on average of our drug spend. And so as we talk to a lot of folks around America, you know, employers, plans, and other folks, we're finding that this is one of the biggest concerns that they have because of this it's just rapid growth and also a feeling of there's really nothing we can do about it. And, I, and they don't know what to do about it. And that was why we formed the company, because we have some very interesting ideas and, and programs to help curb the cost, both in the short term and in the long term. My own background is uh, I'm from the high-tech space. I've done a few startups in the uh, high-tech space. My first startup was, uh, was, is now owned by Dell, and my second startup that I started was, is, is, uh, was purchased by VMware. And I switched gears because I felt that healthcare was our biggest national social problem affecting our economy. And uh, with, when we spend 18% of our GDP on healthcare, that really means that we can't spend dollars on other things that are important to our economy. And frankly, I've got three kids. And I think of not only my three kids, but everybody else out there's kids and children. What are, what's the legacy we're leaving for the next generation of children? And so that's how I ended up getting into the healthcare space. I was at McKesson, you know, which is the largest uh, healthcare company in the world now, Fortune 5. And uh, a lot of this research around the economics of, of the healthcare industry and why it was broken came from the work that was done there. And that's what led to both my previous startup in this space that was looking at curbing the cost of drugs, but focused on the consumer end of the equation. And this new company, which is really focused on the area, on the back end, if you will, on the supply side of, of uh, how these things are purchased, these very expensive drugs and why they cost so much. Hey, Promote, can you, uh, just for the edification of our audience a little bit, give a little background on specialty drugs in general, kind of what they are and, and, and how they came about and, and what the benefit is? Yeah, that's a great question. So specialty drugs, typically, I mean, it's a really good question. Well, what is a specialty drug? And, and the answer to that is that there isn't a strict definition of what a specialty drug is. Usually they're classified by high-cost therapies. You know, imagine that you're a person who's got, you know, on a cholesterol-lowering medication. If you're on a generic cholesterol-lowering medication, that's probably $10 a month or $20 a month is what the actual cost of the atorvastatin is. And if you're on, on Crestor, for example, that could be $300 a month. If, on the, on, if you were to look at specialty drugs, most of the specialty drugs tend to be in the 1,000-plus on the very, very, very low-end dollars per month, if you want to think about it that way. 
and it ranges all the way up from there to say the Parvonis and those types of things, which could be a you know just south of a hundred thousand dollars for a twelve week course, or you could be a hemophiliac and you're on some blood factor and 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 literally it could be a million dollars a year that they're paying you know, that your that your plan or your employer is paying on your behalf to acquire those drugs. But the one important thing is to realize is that a lot of folks take things like atorvastatin. They're very commonly used or, or, or antibiotics. A very high percentage of the population uses those kinds of common drugs. Specialty drugs usually are in the 1% to 3%. So that means that, that it's a very small percent. Of one, you know, like 3 out of 100 people typically are the ones who are buying these high-cost drugs. Whereas it could range from from seventy to eighty out of a hundred people who would be using sort of the non-specialty common drugs that we take every day. And those three people would contribute to what percentage of of the cost, for example, that we're on that. You plan? know, it's 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 a very interesting thing. You know, drugs in in healthcare, a lot of studies have been conducted about whether it's hospitalization costs, whether it's drug costs. Pareto distributions, if you remember that from uh, you know college or, or high school math, fit very well the distributions of most healthcare costs. So what you find is about 10% of the population is roughly 50% of the spend, and when you get into the one to two percent, you find that it's typically closer to about uh, about 90 plus percent of the spend. And so that small percentage of the population usually concentrates. In the in the in the 80-ish percent, uh, if you will, of the spend of the total dollars available. So when you think about that, it's exactly the opposite. For the majority of people who put money into a plan or who put money into in paying taxes, they actually pull very few dollars out of the system. It's a very small number of people who uh, who are the ones who typically um, benefit, if you will, from most of the dollars. And and the, and the specialty drugs from a script volume perspective are right in that range of, you know, a couple of percent of all scripts. And to put that into perspective, about two months ago, IMS came out that today in America, that 90% of all scripts filled are generic drugs. And generic drugs are the low cost on the other end of the spectrum, like the, you know, like the Zithromax type drugs or the atorvastatins and those types of things. That means that nine out of 10 fills in America are for those kinds of low-cost drugs. And only one out of 10 fills are for the higher-cost drugs. And out of that, about a two out of 100, I'm sorry, two out of 100 are for specialty drugs. Hmm. How, do these, how do these costs compare uh, globally? So in the United States, uh, Europe, uh, Asia, et cetera? You know, really good question. There have been a lot of reports, and I'm sure that all of us have read, you know, report after report talking about this issue of global comparisons of healthcare costs. And whether it's the, you know, take a simple example of Harvoni, which has been in the news a lot, uh, you know, for Hep C. And when you look at the pricing in the U.S., when the pricing was uh, originally set, it was just south of $100,000. And the basis for setting that really was the comparison of what a liver transplant would cost. And a liver plant transplant is about $250,000, and therefore the pricing was set at, well, it's cheaper than a liver transplant. So $100,000 seems like a bargain. Now, in other countries around the world, Harvoni is significantly less expensive. Even when you look at developed countries like uh, Europe, 
for example, uh, in the developed countries, which, you know, on average are doing much better than the average you know, person in the United States. The several times, the standard of living is significantly higher than the average person in the United States. But drug prices are significantly lower. Just they're, they're almost half of what it is in the United States. And then when you get into the countries that are developing countries, you find that the costs are, you know, in India, roughly $1,000 for a 12-week course versus a 100000 in the United States. And so there's a wide range of how these drugs are priced. And Jeff Kindler, the former CEO of Pfizer, put it best because he was asked the question of, hey, why do drug prices vary? And why are drug prices so much more expensive in the U.S.? Is it because Americans pay for drug, all of the drug research? And he said, no, that's not it at all. Actually, it's a pretty simple fact. And the pretty simple fact is that the United States is the only unregulated market in the world. And as a result, there are no regulations on how prices are set. And as a result, since everybody else does that, we pay the highest prices in the world. Now, why that's a really interesting issue is that if you step back for a second and ask, well, let's look at global health care costs in general, not just drug costs, but in general. And there have been study after study after study comparing like the OECD countries and developing countries. And in all of those cases, you know, the things that they pointed out is the U.S. spends per capita, about 2x more than the closest countries behind it. And on average, those are the OECD countries in, in Europe. We spend about 2x more. We spend about 7 to 10x more than developing countries like India or China on a per capita basis. Uh, and so a really... Question? No, go ahead, John. Yeah, ahead. A, a really interesting data point there is that when you look at... Uh, so we talk about that all the time, but there's something that we don't talk about. And we think Americans are asking the wrong question, which is, hey, how do drug prices vary? The question that we should be asking is, how come everything else in all of these countries is significantly more expensive than the United States? So the same countries that you go to that healthcare is such a bargain, go to Europe. Anything that you buy is going to be at least two to three times more expensive than the U.S., Pick auto, fuel, food, luxury goods. It doesn't matter. The French come to New York to buy French manufactured goods because they're significantly less expensive in the U.S. And then you do the same thing. You go to India, China, and all these places that are developing uh, countries, and you'll find the same thing. Anything that's sold in the international market is at least two to three times more expensive. So what's the conundrum that every American should be asking that should be, you know, they should be scratching their heads about is that, how come Americans pay the lowest prices in the world for every category except health care in which we blow every country in the world away? Uh, we're that on, is a huge disparity. We're on America's Health Care Challenge with Promote John, CEO of Vivio Health. And, John, this is Alan Hager, so welcome to the show today. We're glad to have you on. Uh, my question is exactly where we're going with that, where you were going with uh, global competition and global uh, prices versus what we pay for health care in the United States. Um, when it comes to some of these things, we always hear that regulation, research, development plays a major role in those costs. Uh, could you speak to that uh, piece as well? Because it seems that, that every time I hear the news or I do my own research and listen, that's always one of the first things that somebody says is, well, we pay the most because... We do all the research for all these drugs. That's a, that's a really good question. So, you know, what my area of interest is in data and facts. 
around. And so one of the, you know, or several years ago, we asked the question of, well, that's a really interesting claim that we hear all the time. And how would we know whether that claim is true or false? So we picked a very simple way of figuring out the answer to that question, which was, well, why don't we go back and analyze the 10Ks of all of the large drug companies in the United States and look at how much money they spend on R&D? Because there has to be some correlation, because if the claim is being made that uh, we're spending all that money, which should show up on the books, right, on the 10Ks of all the public drug companies. When you look at the drug companies, you'll find an interesting conundrum, which is that on average, they spend two times more on sales and marketing as they do on R&D. And so just from the facts of looking at their uh, looking at their financials, it's impossible to come up with a conclusion that the real issue, that the real thing that Americans are paying for is R&D. It's way more likely based on, if you were to look at the 10Ks, that we're actually subsidizing sales and marketing costs for the global drug industry. Yeah, but how, and, how, how would I America, know um, all the side effects of all those drugs if they didn't spend, have those long commercials? <laughs> well, you know, again, it, it's an interesting you know, it's an interesting issue. It's a really interesting issue that, for example, all of those drugs tell you about the side effects, right? Because they're, re- they're required to report them by the FDA, and that was part of one of the requirements of when direct-to-consumer advertising was allowed. But have you ever asked yourself why they're not required to provide data on a more important question of, well, how well does this drug work, and who does it actually work for? Take Harvoni. Harvoni is actually a relatively good drug, and it only it works in eight out of ten people. But that means that it doesn't work in two out of ten people, and we're paying for a therapy that doesn't work for those two out of ten. And imagine paying a hundred thousand dollars a pop on a therapy that doesn't work for twenty percent of the population that you're giving it to. Now to extrapolate that a step further and understand that you know for the common, very expensive specialty drugs for RA, for MS, and all of those things. Each one of these drugs individually have effectiveness rates of probably in the 50 to 60 percent range, and even those are to limited populations. Have you ever asked yourself why drug companies don't release data on who it actually works for? Good point. Good point. Hey, we're uh, up against a timeout here. Uh, promote. Do you mind hanging around for another segment? We want to uh, get a little bit deeper into this conversation, and then I want to learn a little bit more about what you guys are up to at your organization. Sound good? Sounds good. Thank All you. All right. Fantastic. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 or 1-800-577-1290 is the phone number if you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, when we come back, more with Promote John on uh, solving the, the issue of cost in drugs, the uh, major problem that is affecting all of us. Uh, More about specialty drugs and what they're doing to help and your thoughts as well with Alan Hager, Trent Majors and Matt Barros. I am Sean McGuire. Back right after this.